0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry from FNB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, things seem to have gone a bit a little bit quiet at the moment, haven't they? I mean, no really big moves on the JSE recently, but of course, we know that can't last.
0: Yeah, look, the market has come down a little bit from its recent highs. And really that's on the back of, I think, running up too much to start off with or running up too quickly more correctly to start off with. And also, you know, the U.S. jobs number on Friday, we can maybe come back to that to discuss it in more detail. Yes, please. But that clearly spooked the RAND, but it didn't lift the RAND hedges. It's lifted Richmond and a couple of them, but it hasn't actually lifted the mining shares because – you know, the U.S., the U.K. and Europe is clearly slowing down despite the jobs number. They are definitively slowing down. So, you know, I think that's why the market's been a little bit, you know, cautious, as you said, not not much happening. But uh, to come back to the jobs number, I'm surprised the mining shares haven't gone up stronger. You know, the, the, as I said, a couple of the RAND hedges have gone up. But I'm surprised the mining shares haven't gone up a lot stronger. But I suppose they're looking at some sort of economic slowdown. And certainly they have been doing all the li- all the heavy lifting since October last year. Yeah. I mean the whole markets up, but the mining shares have done all the heavy lifting. And and nice passing processes.
1: Well, I just want to talk to you about what you said. The US is clearly slowing down, maybe even going into recession. GDP is positive, PMI is positive, jobs numbers are positive. I spoke to a very clever chap in London last night, and he said, yes, we're calling a recession, but one of the indicators that we look at, they look at numerous indicators, he says, is jobless claims. He says, when jobless claims start to rise, historically, it's seven to eight months afterwards that a recession starts because the job market starts it or their indicators yeah. tell you that. And he says it's not happening at the moment. Jobless claims are fine. And so the recession is going to be put back for a, a longer time than most people expected. I don't know what yeah. you have to say about that.
0: Yeah. Look, one thing I do know is that when you're hit with 40 year Inflation and massively higher interest rates and what you've experienced almost in a lifetime. Yes. There's no ways you, you escape a slowdown. There's just no ways. So, you know, despite the job numbers, despite whatever numbers are coming out, when you get inflation at 40-year highs, I'm surprised we, we are, and, and I've maintained this for a very long time, I'm um, actually, I've, I've said for a long time that we're lucky there's no debt bubble because normally you would have the grandfather of all recessions if there was a debt bubble with inflation at forty-year highs. So lucky enough, there's no debt bubble in consumer or the banking system, etc. But there, there, there's just you cannot get away from a recession given the level of interest rates and inflation in, in the U.S. and in the U.K. and in Europe. Well, the then, economy has got to slow down. Well, then who's in, who, it, it can't just carry on powering. From. Then tell me,
1: who employed 517,000 new people in the United States during the month of January if there's a slowdown, Wayne? It just doesn't make sense to me.
0: No, I got you. I got you. You must remember, jobs numbers are, are, are erratic. Eh? they? You know, it's one month. They, they're a little bit erratic, but it was... a Totally, obviously, it was a very, very surprising number. Yes. It was almost double what was anticipated. But the second thing I wanted to chat to you about that, uh, Jerome Powell must have either known this number or had an inkling of this number. This number didn't just spring out of the blue two days after his meeting. You know, he must have known, he must have had an inclination about how massive this number was going to be and yet he only raised interest rates a quarter of a percent not half a percent like last time mm-hmm. a quarter of a percent so maybe this was abnormal because we all know all tech is laying off eh? so maybe it's burger flipper jobs i i don't know but tech is laying off like crazy and, and i heard a very important very good stat the other day you know the Number of jobs obviously created in tech, it's it's, it's something like 50% of all jobs created in America over the last while has been technology jobs. And I mean, obviously, that's been the big growth area, but they're laying off and they're laying off very high earning people. You know, so I think this job number little bit I mean it's not the numbers aren't incorrect, but I think it's a bit of an aberration yeah that it was so strong after so long in the cycle of high interest rates and high inflation. you know, maybe there's a seasonality attached to it. I don't know, but we'll have to see what the next month's numbers come up with.
1: Yeah, exactly. We won't have to wait that long because February this is a, February's a short month. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's fair enough. So you're still in the camp of there is going to be a recession and maybe even we're in it already or rather they're in it already, the United no, States. No, some
0: sort of slowdown. You know, if we do go into recession, it'll be very shallow and very short-lived. Yes. Um, but us, there, is, there is still a slowdown happening and maybe that's what our market's reacting to now.
1: What normally happens to stock markets during recession? I mean, the lead up to recession is one
0: thing, but if it's suddenly Well, they normally fall the- before the recession starts. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was uh, sort of yeah. trying to get at there. Which uh- is the weakness we had last year, which is the which is weakness we had last year, and specifically the weakness in the NASDAQ last year. Hmm. So, yeah, no, the, 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 the shares fall a year before the recession actually happens. year to 18 months Mm -hmm. and then normally a recession is actually quite good for the share market because the share market anticipates the interest rate cuts to come
1: right okay well let's look forward to a recession then great get on with it Um, Wayne so I'm going to pick out one stock today. There are two big movers um, with early trading updates. Yeah. Um, one was Sappy. You know, Sappy's up and down. It's all over the place all the time. It was down yes. about 6.5% uh, once that trading update was released. And Pick and Pay, just over 6% weaker mid-morning. And I, it made me th- yeah. I think of the differing performances of the retailers, whether it be Mr. Price versus Woolies, whether it be Pick and Pay versus Spa or something. They're all behaving differently. They've all reacted differently to a yeah. post-pandemic world and uh, they're all reacting differently to rising interest rates so retail is a science way in my opinion you look at your customers you say what are they going to do now that they've got less money in their pocket obviously they're going to go for value so we'll increase our specials after payday at the end of the month or benefits day at the end of the month that sort of thing pick and pay don't seem to have got it right
0: yeah yeah look pick and pay okay coming back to all the results checkers was fantastic Shoprite was fantastic yeah and um, the Woolies food side was actually good. And they showed some recovery in their fashion, beauty, and whatever they call it, the non, the non food side of the business. You know, Mr. Price wasn't good at all, but yet other, other companies, True was great. The furniture companies are all suffering all along the way. But then to come to pick and pay, the turnover growth in SA supermarkets was quite low. That must, that was the big disappointment, I think.
1: Do you own any because of the retailers?
0: Because
1: Let's start with the food retailers. As you say, you know, we've got the spas, and we can't include Woolies because it's a hybrid. You've got the pick-and-pay, uh, checkers. Um, there must be a couple of other ones.
0: I don't know, but uh, uh, of the but, pure... But, I mean, checkers is just eating everyone's lunch there, I think.
1: Yeah, and that home delivery thing they've got going there, that's been revolutionary for yeah. them.
0: Yes. What is it called, 60-60 or something? Certainly, certainly they've, they've gained. I mean, when they... I've always been a bit skeptical of supermarkets claiming market share gains because, yeah. you know, it's not exactly a scientific artefact. But checkers did say they've gained market share. And it looks as though they have when you look at Pick and Pay's results. Yeah. Well, they have gained some market share, it looks like.
1: It's interesting because you used to be able to purchase by retailers, but now you have to be selective. It's an interesting space. We'll see what happens when interest rates start falling again and see how they react. I think Checkers is the most nimble, though. I think Checkers know their customers more yes. than the other ones do. I really get that impression. They've always been yeah, di- look, look, dynamic.
0: Pay. Hmm. You know, in their defence, they've just gone through a whole restructuring and I think a new computer system and a new stock system. And, of course, they were, I don't know, Twenty years, ten years after the others, they went into centralised distribution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they say, and I've been hearing about the pick and pay turnaround for twenty years.
1: Hmm. Who's in charge of them now? I, I honestly don't know. No, not do I? I used to know them. It was that chap from the UK came over and. Um, yeah. Brasher. Yes, he's gone now. Mm, Brasher. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yes. Mm, okay. Look, I, I must admit, I, I almost think the day of the dynamic CEO is not over, but I think it's almost over. You know, when when we were youngsters, you had these larger than life characters that absolutely dominated their companies. And the success of the company was entirely dependent on that person's intuition, skill, luck, intelligence, or whatever. Companies nowadays are a lot more professionally managed. I'm not saying they're better or worse managed because these very ego-driven people sometimes took their companies down the wrong path and virtually bankrupted them. Yeah. You know, you think of SAPI for a classic example, but there's a, there a couple more. And so I don't really know the the, the the individuals at at each company, you know, by name or, you know, I've I've seen them at conferences and, stuff like that but i suppose at the end of the day you just look at the results that's all that really counts yeah
1: so you don't think the ceo wields as much power as he or she used to
0: no i don't think necessarily say they wield any less power i mean you're still the chief executive but how business is done is very different yeah. you know in the in the 70s in the 60s 70s 80s even part of the 90s what the boss said happened. You know, you couldn't query the boss. There was no management committee. You know, the boss was the boss. That, that's it. You know, you didn't have an, 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 an ex-co that debated things. And, you know, you, the, 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 certainly the very ego-driven people, you know, they, 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 they effectively around surrounded themselves by yes people and implementers. They didn't want ideas from anyone else. They didn't want input from anyone else. They ran the show. It was it was their show. It's a lot more different.
1: Would you characterize Christo Visa as one of the last of that breed? Nah.
0: No. No, no, not at all, no. He got Whitey in to run, the, to run checkers. He didn't interfere there. He didn't try and run the show. No, I don't think Christo was one of that breed. I think it was Eugene Van us uh, Anglo-American... I can't even remember names now. I'm getting so old myself. <laughs> um, Anglo-American... Um, Julian Ogilvy, Thompson, uh Donny Gordon, Louis Shaw. You know, those were those were um, tough men.
1: Yeah. And who's the guy um, And what they and what they said oh, went. Who was the BHP bulletin guy? I'm also getting old. Uh, he used to have the helicopter. Gilbertson.
0: Yeah, Gilbertson, Brian Gilbertson. Gilbertson, yeah. He was a tough nut. Yeah, and that was his You were stuffy. You know what the helicopter's um, registration number was? No, something egotistical, I'm sure. Uh, It was, No, it it was. It was uh, all South African planes begin with Zulu-Sierra, so ZS. ZS, sorry, yes. So it's ZS. Mm. And then uh, his thing was Echo, Golf, Oscar. Yeah, exactly. Ego. Precisely. So the the joke was the ego has landed.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do remember that as well, as he
0: landed on the top of the BHP Bulletin building. Yeah, the ego building. has landed. Mm. Another story about helicopters, completely useless information. I, I wouldn't expect anything more. apparently in the more. 1980s, mm? yeah, apparently in the 1980s, um, uh, Nicky Oppenheimer was the only chap that had a license to fly in a corporate helicopter to his headquarters to, to Diamond House in London. I might be wrong there, but that's the story I always heard.
1: He'd land in a normal aircraft, and then he'd go and fly from the airport to his well,
0: office. Well, look, I'm sure they had, I'm sure they had a country estate there, even though he might not have lived there all the time. I'm pretty sure they had a country estate there. I reckon.
1: Okay, Wayne, you told me something in confidence before we started talking, and I'm gonna have to rat you out on this one, I'm afraid. And I can tell you that if the world's greatest rugby fan, your partner, if she was listening, yeah. she'll give you a scolding when you get home because you're spoiling your appetite for dinner. Probably yes, exactly. Yes, so yes, t- I am. At twenty past four, when I phoned you, you were devouring a fast food I was scoffing a away fast a burger food King. burger. Yeah, a Burger King, exactly. Yes, you just couldn't yeah. hold it. You have no willpower, do you?
0: No, this morning was a weird morning. I, I was, I had to pack a whole bunch of spares into my car that I had at my house. Yes. And so I didn't have time for breakfast, and then at lunchtime, yeah, I had to go to pick up some paint to spray paint a motor car. And then when I got to the spray painters, it wasn't ready. And then I went to two other two, on two other little errands, and then I came back to the spray painter, and it still wasn't ready. So I didn't even have my traditional noodles at lunchtime because I was thought I'd be out for ten minutes. So at about four o'clock, I was absolutely starving. So I went to the Burger King drive-through. Yeah. Which has only just opened up a little bit further up the road from where my garage is, and I must say it wasn't a drive through it was a it was a drive through and order they sit in the car park for ten minutes waiting, so they haven't obviously got their system quite, but as I said, it's very really new still. but I had a a barbecue bacon burger, and I must say it was delicious and I'm not a huge fast food, hamburger, takeaway type of person. I mean, I like a Steers burger, a, a Spur burger, yeah. but I like to eat it in the restaurant with the onion rings and the chippies on the plate and that. <laughs> but this was absolutely delicious. But but once again, I hate going through drive throughs because obviously the person who's on the other end of the microphone is taking your order, their job is to sell. So I went in and I said, can I have two barbecue, bacon, sandwiches. And then she says, can we upgrade it to a meal? I said, no, if I wanted a meal, I would have ordered a meal. I only want the two sandwiches. So you had two? Then she says, can we throw in a cool drink? I bought for my friend, John. Oh, I see. He's worked with me at the garage. Mm. And I'll come back to John now. So I said, and then do you want a cool drink? He said, no, if I wanted a cool drink, I would have ordered a cool drink. I just, for the third time, just want two barbecue bacon burgers the sandwich only right and i must say it drives me absolutely insane now my friend john can have breakfast okay then he can have lunch okay but then any other food that's going on he's never said no and he'll go home tonight and have his supper
1: is he a portly fellow
0: well, probably no. Yeah, he's a little porty, but I mean, we can't judge. No, we mustn't. Because <laughs> yeah, because sure. yeah, yeah, the garage. I've got like a little mezzanine floor that I built myself. It's a bit homemade, but anyway, it's a little mezzanine floor, and it's got a supporting pole mm. to hold up the floor, and the pole's a fairly narrow distance from the actual wall. So every year. Everyone in the company—you were not in the company—anyone in the garage has got to f- slip between this pole and the wall, <laughs> otherwise they've picked up too much too much fat and they've got to get uh, picked up too much weight, and they've got to go on diet. So I've, I must admit, since since. Uh, Lockdown, I've been squeezing a bit there. That's been a bit of a squeeze. Ah. But old John's never been able to get through that gap. Okay, I get the picture. Yeah, I know these people. He's never been able to get through the gap.
1: In England, you call them good trenchermen. In other words, they eat a lot. And speaking of eating, Wayne, you'll be very proud of me. I, I'm going to get your lips smacking. I mean, if you hadn't had the burger, you'd actually drop the telephone and you'd no, da- you, you dash off. If, honestly,
0: yeah. if, I, if I didn't have the burger, I'm not sure we would be talking here because I was... <laughs> I was really hungry.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, you no, feel a lot better now. You, you've sated your appetite now. So what I did, I went to the butcher. Mm. You remember I told you about the difference between Irish beef and Dutch beef, and how how fantastic yeah. the Irish beef is. Well, I went there to the butcher, and he's still got a good stock of Irish beef. I bought a big Irish rump steak. Okay, but I said, can you mince it for Ooh. me, please? So he minced me that. And what I've done today, in a big bowl, I've made two patties. But before I make the patties, two egg yolks mix them in, salt and pepper, yeah, 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 yeah. and a few little dried herbs. But you don't do all the fancy stuff in the burger itself. You try and keep the burger no. as pure as possible. As I say, just yep. a few little seasonings. Then I've made these two massive patties. Uh, one has gone in the freezer because I won't be able to eat two. And on the other one, I'm just going to grill it lightly on either side, a little bit rare in the middle. First of all, a slice of Emmentaler cheese, Swiss Emmentaler cheese from Ooh, the Emmentaler. from, from the cheesery round the corner. Then I'm going to fry some onions. I'm not going to have raw onions. I'm going to fry the onions, put them on top of the slice mm. of Emmentaler. Then I've bought these big beef steak tomatoes, and you slice the middle bit, bit yeah, out, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it's almost as big as the patty. So you got that as well. And then it is topped off, Wayne, with some roasted jalapeno chilies. And i chop them up and put them on the mm. top. And there's... That sounds delicious. There's my dinner. I won't have the sandwich on the outside. I'm just going to have the burger with the salad on the side. And I'm really, really
0: looking yeah, forward I to say, it. I must didn't, say, I didn't, I didn't eat all my, my sandwich, the bread part, the bun part. No, no, I never do. Surprisingly enough, given my size and my girth, I actually don't eat much bread at all. Mm. I've never been a huge bread fan. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I hope you think of me when you're toying with your do. food because you're Sounds already delicious. Yeah, it does do. Wayne, as always, thank you very no, much. No, the, world's,
0: the, world's, <laughs> yeah. the world's biggest rugby fan has already told me there's biltong soup for supper, oh, which is delicious. Yeah. But it's one of those ones that I can maybe have my, my portion of it a little bit later on when I've built up a bit of a hunger. Okay. Well, good luck So with I that. don't think I'll be scolded on too badly.
1: All right. <laughs> We'll see. Wayne, thank you very much for your time, as always. That's Wayne McCurry from FMB Wealth and Investment, and that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy, position,